Hey everybody, we're back with another prestigious bald movie. Uh, this time we're talking about 1985's The Breakfast Club. Uh, written and directed by John Hughes, quite prolific gentleman, wrote and directed 16 Candles, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, to name just a few, wrote Mr. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, Reggae and Christmas Versions, Pretty in Pink, <laughs> Home Alone, again, just to name a few. This this man mm-hmm. was prolific during his all-too-short life. Uh, it stars Emilio Estevez, Paul Gleason, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwall, and Ali Sheedy. Uh, I have never seen this movie before in my life Jesus. until the last 24 hours, and it was quite something to see. Uh, Jim, maybe you can talk about your personal relationship with the film and what you thought of it, and then uh, we can talk about mine. Yeah, uh, this is a movie I love, and it's weird because I was three years old when it came out. So, like, you know, you see this 10 years later, 13 years later, or whatever, as a teenager in high school, and you look at it and you say, well, does it, does it hold up? Does it still relate to the kids who are in school today? And I found myself very much getting all of these characters and seeing myself in different parts of each of these characters. Um, and that was back when, you know, I was, I was a young man and I saw this movie on TV a whole bunch of times. I'm sure. Um, I can't remember specifically, but I know I had the DVD of this later when I was in my early twenties and I watched it there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I I mean, this is a, this is a classic movie. I love this movie. It's not, have you seen, have you seen deleted scenes? Have you watched the, have you heard the commentary? Like how into this movie were you? No, I haven't done any of that. Um, even though I'm sure that was on the DVD, I don't think I ever engaged in that. I was more like into the Matrix and shit when I was doing my DVD stuff mm-hmm. uh, for commentaries. But I, I don't know. I've seen this movie probably six or seven times at at a minimum. Um, and I don't know. I feel like it's as relevant today as it is when it was made. The, the same pressures still exist on kids. The same sort of clicks are still around. That stuff changes a little bit, but not all that much. Yeah, I that was one of the big questions I have is how much does this did this movie reflect teenage culture and how much of it did it shape? Because um, I never saw this movie. Uh, I was I mean, and I see why I see why my mom would be horrified to have me watching teenagers who are engaging in pot smoking and talking about being nymphomaniacs and fucking their using the F word and, and talking about fucking their therapists and, yeah. you know, getting cigars put out there. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of heavy, heavy stuff, sure. um, but real stuff too. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing. If I'd if you watch this as a teenager, you watch it as an adult, you can kind of realize the, the realness, but also there's, uh, the magical realism they talked about in one article I read on this, where it's like, it's, uh, high, it's a high school life that no one that's not authentic to anyone, um, but is also extremely authentic in, you know, like no yeah. one's gone to this kind of detention where you're smoking dope and you're crawling through the ductwork of your schools and right. you're engaging in wanton property and having a dance off in the middle of thing and makeovers and stuff. But everyone knows a kid was one of these archetypes of kids or maybe a blend of it. Um but I, yeah, I, so I, I, I was forbidden to see this movie, and also as a consequence of my cult upbringing, I found myself very detached from most nostalgic looks at like teenage stuff. You know, like what I had, you know, like it, okay. it's my mom forbid me from seeing this, but I really had no desire to. And even as a young man and on in my thirties, I'm like, well, why do I want to go and look at a nostalgic thing for something that I just don't associate with? You know, it's like this. I I can't really relate to any of this kind of behavior um, or any of these characters, really. But I guess I was wrong. And I the, the thing is, the other thing is going into the first act of this movie. I'm like, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I kind of hate it. But huh. once they disp- dispense with like the naked stereotypes and like the hostility and they start to break down those barriers and have these kind of more or less honest conversations or honest for teenagers, um, I started liking the film more and more. Uh, I don't love this film. This is not what I would call a great, a great film. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I think it was definitely worth seeing because obviously it's a cultural touchstone. Um, 
I there's there's a bunch of like memes and stuff from my youth that make a lot more sense now that I've seen this. Uh-huh. Uh and I I I see why people like it. I I do think that like John Hughes maybe missed a couple things, but like time and time again when I was reading reviews, I was reading articles, they talk about his gift for like teenage dialogue. Yeah. Um and I think, yes, that's why this movie works the way it does, because when these teens, when they're talking amongst each other, it sounds like conversations that kids that the that, that, that kids have. Yeah, so. I think John Hughes gets teenagers in a way. And it's remarkable, too, because he's 35 when he makes this movie. Um, yeah, it, I don't know that I had the connection to my teenage years in the way that John Hughes did when he was 35, because like he yeah. he just seems to. I don't know if this is effortless or if he pines over the script and like, you know, goes through with a fine tooth comb and brings in like, you know, flocks of teenagers to help him write the dialogue and craft the scenes or what. But he seems to nail this teenage, you know, angst, um, the, the, the teenage struggle like no other filmmaker I've seen. And it's crazy yeah. to me how small this movie is and yet how engaging and how uh just just write everything feels it's it he's having a movie here where the 90% of it is just a conversation between kids and some of that conversation is shitty some of that conversation is real and honest some of it is like you know puffing themselves up and making themselves you know reinforcing their image it all like keeps you engaged through this single setting film in a way that i i you kind of don't expect like if you told somebody oh it's it's you know, five teenagers stuck in detention over the weekend and it's just them in a, in the library talking for an hour and a half. People would be like, I don't want to watch that. It sounds boring and stupid, but he's got a way of just like making the watch effortless. Um, actually, that effortless might not be the right word because I think there are a lot of challenging scenes in this movie and there's a lot of stuff that's of the time that doesn't play today. Um, he drops hard f-bombs in some of these scenes not not fuck the other f-word slurs yeah Yeah, f-slurs and Uh, the context because like i the the night before i happened to go in the forums and there was a thread on this people you know they they this this new week uh, on bald move is working people are informed of what we're doing and they're talking about like they're they're uh excited about xyz but then there's people saying that like you know how like white and heteronormative it is and sometimes when i see that Mm -hmm. it's like obviously i'm sympathetic to that kind of conversation but i'm like oh geez but boy, like two minutes into this movie, it's not just the like, you know, the F slur. Uh-huh. It's it's the context and the, the death threat. It punctuated with a noose that goes along with it. That's like, wow. Yeah. When I like, watch this and I'm thinking, OK, what are all these kids in, in detention for? I'm thinking, OK, well, yeah. Claire skipped school, uh, right. you know, Andrew taped some kids buns together. And then I guess John Johnny just committed a hate crime. <laughs> like no, that, no, that was my assumption. For, the the school's cool with the the F slur right. noose combo. Uh, yeah. They they really didn't like him pulling the uh, the alarm. No, no, um, that gets kids riled up. Uh, but but also but far, it's it's of the time too, right? It's like yeah. th- that. Yes, was a terrible thing to say. It's still terrible. But kids said it all the fucking time, and that's the thing that makes this movie these movies feel so authentic. Is that's real like it's it's challenging it's it's shitty it's awful it's like I said borderline hate crime but it's also real and and you get to that a lot of times in this movie where like Johnny is I I think what he thinks he's doing is flirting or asserting dominance over Claire Mm -hmm. and and getting Mm -hmm. her to like him and this this whole relationship is icky the entire time Mm -hmm. and there's some really nasty sexual stuff in here between the two of them that you you would never want to see a kid do but kids do this shit all the time yeah because it's especially you know the where i grew up where sex education was not very great um and still like it's just nowadays that people are talking about like physical boundaries and consent and you know that's part of like the sex education that my son went through in the in the late 2000s or the 2010s but like, yeah, like there's a lot of it, but but it also felt authentic because there's all kinds yeah. of gross relationships that I remember all going on in, in, in my high school. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, yeah, growing up in the 80s and, and 90s, this is the way kids talked. I don't know. The noose was a bit much. It's still, uh, you <laughs> it's, know, like I, I is, think yeah. that using those kind of slurs is. 
not really accepted even amongst high school kids today but uh-huh. like the kids like johnny they don't give a fuck yep. they still you know because they don't care about being offensive why the fuck they're getting cigars put out on them home uh so yeah. I, I i thought that was and as far as the like the the whiteness of the movie um i looked up john hughes because i was just curious first of all i was, I was you know refreshing to see uh, this Dude seems like he's a self-made man. You know, his mom was a volunteer. His dad worked in sales, born in Lansing, Michigan, grew up in Gross Point, Michigan. Demographics in 2010, 97.6% white. Yeah. There's no fucking way this guy is going to write any kind of authentic black or any other uh, race character in the middle of the 80s. And if he did, if like the studio is like, you know what, John, Uh, we need you to write uh, a minority in there. It'd be a token character. Yeah. Um, and like, he, obviously if he did it in 2021, there'd, there'd probably be a whole diverse cast. But like, I, I kind of like was soon because I, I thought I didn't know anything about John Hughes. And I thought, well, maybe he grew up in Beverly Hills or like a pretty, you know, or some other like diverse California neighborhood that, you know, uh, he should have known better and he just decided not to. But as far as I can tell, you know, he's just a, a guy that wrote this script in his late twenties based on his personal experiences and his memories of high school and his heightened, you know, his magical realism stuff. So like all that stuff made sense. Noose, not a great look, but um, yeah. And the other thing is like, Oh man, the opening again, the opening five minutes, this movie did not do much to endear itself to it opens. Sure. With this self serious, like this quote that's ludicrously, like indulgent uh, from like a teenage point of view. And I'm like, what the fuck is this from? And I get to the bottom and it's a David Bowie lyric. Yeah. And just as I'm processing how fucking crazy this is, (laughs) it explodes. (laughs) I did not remember this. What? I'm like, what am I watching? It's like in the movie does not maintain like, it's like the beginning and end of this movie where you got uh, the the Brian character played by uh, Anthony Michael Hall given this like very serious dead poet society book report about the authority and the man and how you see us and the the cartons you put us in. And guess what? We mixed our two percent and our chocolate milk and our skim and we're all one carton now. Like it's it doesn't belong to this movie. But it's also the kind of thing that, like, I guess, like a 15 or 16 year old be like, fuck, yeah, when they're watching it. A hundred percent. And John Hughes does this right. I mean, look (laughs) at Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's basically that the entire movie just spaced out a little more. Uh, The other thing I uh, we getting to get to, like, some spoiler takes here in a minute. But, like, I was also impressed by the performances. You know, these are this. This is a. A young, it's a very talented cast. Like, I don't yeah. think this was any one of these people's first rodeo. Uh, Ali Sheedy's and War Games. We just live watched that a couple months ago. Um, Amelia Estevez had done a lot of stuff. Anthony Michael Hall had just been in 16 Candles. 16 Candles with the Molly year before Ringwald. with yeah. Molly Ringwald. I think Judd Nelson hadn't done as much stuff, but like a lot of these people returned. The young cast, but very talented. Um, and that's the other thing. Like they were given great teenage dialogue. They're fairly authentic young people delivering it. Um, they yeah. give performances that don't seem like it's beyond their years, which is something you can kind of slip into. Um, and I think some of the, that's some of the, like the two thousands teenage comedies kind of are written from a more adult perspective and they lose that. Mm-hmm. But I was really, really impressed with, with that too. Um, yeah, I'm, it's the worst character. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, a great character it's just he's the shittiest character but the person i'm most impressed with is in this movie is judd nelson uh he's an absolute despicable person through the majority of this movie uh but he plays it so well like i i've known kids like this who are they're, they're just shitbag instigators right they they want to get under everyone's skin and for whatever reason whether it's their father putting out cigarettes or cigars on their arm or you know, their parents ignoring them, them being poor and made fun of or something like mm. a million different reasons. But I know these kids or I knew these kids uh, and his performance on this just felt so real. And it's he's just such a shit bag. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like it's I, you're right. I, I, I know kids like this, too. And there's like different types, like there's the class clown and there's the ones that are kind of like the you know, antisocial shit instigators like you're talking about. Um, And they probably all have stories similar to this. Like I, Mm -hmm. I can't say that I've ever known one that didn't have some kind of tragic backstory that makes a lot of sense. um, You know, when, when, when you think about it. Um, 
Because, yeah, like if you I know a lot of kids and that's the thing, like I I felt this way. This is where I had reason like uh, I had probably four or five close friends in high school, but I had no chance, man. Like my mom made me go in and like sit out, watch tires and awakes on my desk. <laughs> said this is my special Christ. territory. And and then the the what they told me is that that would earn me the respect and admiration, respect and admiration of both my peers and my teachers. But no, it just makes you look like a weirdo and you yeah. can't associate with these kids. You can't play a sports. You can't be in any. You can't even be. I couldn't even be in a nerdy book club. I, my son and I are going through kind of a fascination with chess right now because of like the Queen's Gambit and me kind of talking about it. And I was like, he's like, well, why didn't you keep up with it? And I was thinking, it's like, I remember clear the day I gave up on chess is when I knew I couldn't join any chess club or I'm never going to play anybody <laughs> besides like my, my same one friend that whips my ass because he's four or five years older than me. and like. Yeah. Yeah, like you just kind of gave, and I didn't like stir shit or instigate, but I just dropped out and give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to keep my grades up so my parents wouldn't hassle me. Um, but that's it. Um, and I also yeah. gave up academically because like I wanted to, like I, I even though I wasn't going to go to college, I wanted to take all the college prep courses. But like the guidance counselor <laughs> st- stared, and he's like, "Well, it's a waste of time. You're you're taking up a slot to another kid that might go to college." uh would would take so like you can't take physics and i'm like well then that's what he told you jesus christ so so as a result i like took double and triple study halls and i graduated midterm because as soon as like you know i didn't know triple study hall was an option i'd be there yeah yeah like like my junior i tried i tried to put like like i had my junior year i think i showed up at school and i went to sleep and i didn't wake up until lunch and then i finished out the rest of the my afternoon can you imagine how good i would have been at paper football if i had had four study halls (sighs) holy shit oh my god or if they let you smoke dope taking all the kids Uh, quarters yeah but but yeah, like I, I I get it. Like there's all different ways to drop out, and I guess that's one of the questions I want to ask. Well, let's get to the let's get to the the spoiler section. Uh, I'm going to describe the movie. If you are like me and you're in the one percent that hasn't seen it, um, I'm going to describe it, and then we'll take a we'll take a, a quick commercial break. So this movie is about one Saturday afternoon in some uh, Illinois suburban high school where five kids are in all day detention from seven o'clock to, I think three o'clock in the afternoon, maybe four o'clock in the afternoon. They're not allowed to talk. They're not allowed to move. They're not allowed to get up. This is a joke. They do all these things. They are supposed to write a thousand word essay on who they think they are. And I think it's, I think it's, it's supposed to delivered in the, who do you think you are? You know, kind of like tone of voice by this asshole assistant principle that we're going to talk about. Um, and these you've got like they're all representative like of the different kind of suburban. I'm not going to I, I, I don't know what the rural kids experience were. Uh, though I guess Mooresville was pretty rural. This, my oh, high school yeah. was set up where you had you had the jocks, you had the nerds, you had the preps, you had the uh, burnouts. We, they were called hoods in my school. And then you had the kind of weirdo misfits, which I guess I was in that category. Yeah. Uh, and they all hate each other and they're all very self-segregated and eventually through conversations that all breaks down and they have new appreciations of understanding for each other and find out that they have much more in common than they have apart, which is the story yeah. of all people ever. Right. When you sit down on our force to talk to each other, you realize, oh, shit, I right. had no good reason to hate you. I, and I should probably do a lot more loving you. That's why this movie works so well. So. That said, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with our full spoiler take. Okay, Jim, I want to start this conversation off to say which one of these kids was you? Do you identify strongly with any of these children? There are only two of them that I don't really identify with. Um, And those two are Johnny and Sporto. Uh, Andrew, the wrestler. Because uh, it's, it's Emilio and Judd to me. I, <laughs> I had a hard time sure. learning these these kids cla- uh, names in one in one go. Uh, but yeah, I, I I identify a lot with the nerd. I identify a lot with the weirdo for the same reasons you do, because being in a cult growing up, it's it's hard to pretend like there's any normal there, uh, especially when you get asked to, you know, hang out after school or you get asked to dances or you get asked to in, any kind of join a club, whatever. And you got to say no. People wonder, like, what? Why the hell? Why not? Um, some of them probably took it personally, you know. Like, you, someone yeah. asked you, and you're just like, "No, nah, I can't." And they're like, "Oh, oh, you can't, or you don't want to." 
Uh, and you got two. You got two impossible choices. You can say, uh, "Well, it's because of my weirdo religious beliefs that I'm going to not even get 30 seconds in to explain it before you're bored." Or <laughs> right, right. The ever popular, my parents won't let me, which makes you seem extremely lame. Yeah. Uh, the the so, other yeah. the, the other people identify with are uh, Ali Sheedy because I was a, a obviously a weirdo and. I was a bit of an attention seeker too, not quite a class clown, but like borderline that. Um, but not for the same reasons, right? Like my home life was very good. It was fine. I had really no complaints. Um, and then I, I'm also very much a nerd. I was into computers and I was into magic, the gathering and video games. I was a big nerd throughout school. Um, and then I also identify with Claire a little bit because I, I have this crazy Your real princess. name, uh, Jim Jones, right? And uh-huh. and everybody knew my name, even if they didn't know me. They were like, oh, you're that. I, I literally had people coming up to me in school and going, hey, you're that Jim Jones guy, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. Okay, bye. Like, I, people, I was somehow, like, popular because I, I had a weird name. And, like, I, I hung out with, like, kind of all the groups of kids. So I wasn't really stereotyped into one group um i i did end up hanging out with like the weirdos and the the sort of loner types a lot more than the popular kids just because right you know if you're gonna hang out with the popular kids you got to do popular kid things and i uh, wasn't allowed to do popular kid things so i would hang out with the weirdos at school so but you were like cool in every of the various hoods in school yeah i don't th- I, I had i can only remember one kid that actively disliked me and i actively disliked him he was that judd nelson like uh, just being an asshole for an asshole's sake kind of kid. Um, but yeah, I, I very much got along with most, I would say 99 people, 99% of people that I interacted with in school. Right on. I, I kind of feel the same way. You, I, I felt like I identified a lot with Brian to Anthony Michael Hall, like nerd, because I was, yeah. you know, I liked learning and I was very ac- academically focused, tried to do as best I could. And also the Ali Sheedy, you know, the weirdo doing art and, you know, doing doing yeah. doing weird stuff for the sake of being weird. Although I don't I don't know about that. It's just like all the stuff I was into, like Star Trek comic books, like you said, the the nerd shit, um, that stuff was really yeah. fascinating to me. And like all the kind of mainstream. Also, like the other thing, like I didn't listen to mainstream music because my parents didn't. And I wasn't allowed to listen to like rap or metal or anything like that. So like all my tastes, musical tastes were were stunted. I wasn't allowed to watch most popular TV shows. I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies. All my peers were. So it's like I the stuff I my wasn't on my parents radar. Weird fantasy, science fiction, comic books are the stuff I was able to indulge in. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought like I, I really understood them. And, and like you said, like I yeah, like all this stuff uh, was very relate because I knew a kid as I was watching this every single one, like uh, when Anthony Michael Hall uh, can you know, um, confide confides that he was going to get an F in the shop class. Cause it turns out he's not so good in shop really reminded me. There was uh like this scandal in my junior year of high school where the girl who was the valedictorian at the time got a C in gym class and knocked her off for 4.0 and she had a fucking meltdown over it. Yeah. You know, that uh, sucks. Yeah, because she couldn't do whatever the minimum physical things you did to get like it was like it wasn't about as weird as like it's all pass fail it wasn't about like uh, how much improvement like if you came in the gym class not being able to do a push up and you closed the semester being able to do three. Hey, that's pretty fuck. That's pretzel. That's a huge improvement. But if you can't do 20, then you know, so standardized it, testing, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I still think that gym teacher is a giant prick for that. I mean, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, But anyway. Like every one of these kids, like I'm like, yep, I can see that. Yep, except for the, the 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 jock thing, I guess. That's the one thing where, like, when when Emilio Estevez talk about, yeah, I saw this weaker, smaller kid, and I beat the shit out of him, and I glued his ass cheeks together. And <sighs> how do you even apologize for that? I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. You just assaulted a guy. You just you just sexually you just you sexually assaulted a guy. Uh, I I I don't I, I know your your dad's like really hard on you and wants you to excel, but like I I I was having a hard time still. Hmm. Like I maybe I need to watch it a couple more times, but I felt like I had a hard time getting into his head. Like when everybody really? else had the sob story, I kind of understood it, but his is like I mean I, I, felt, I guess they're I kids. Felt, yeah yeah I mean look kids do stupid shit. Um, and they're cheering you on. 
I think I think that's one of the more effective scenes in the entire movie. Um, hmm. His his speech that he gives there about just like, you know, he he put himself in the place of the other kid that he was terrorizing, and he realized that's a shitty place to be in, and that he had put him there, and and he, yeah, I think he wants to apologize to the kid, but he doesn't he doesn't know how because it's such an egregious thing that right. he did to the kid. So, right, I don't know. I I really like that scene. Um, yeah, like I said, it was an effective scene. It's just like, I, I found a, it, it, it's one thing I just, I just couldn't identify with. Cause I felt like the yeah. kids that did that kind of stuff never had that. Like, so ever, maybe they did later on. Yeah. Later like, in life. They, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like having that felt like more insight than that type of kid sure. would have, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too hard on the psychotic jocks in high school. <laughs> Um, I really liked how the movie began with like it, it does such a great job of painting pictures of these p- kids Dude. just by like the drop off. Yes, I like, love it. Like, you know, you get the you know, the, the, the stern father dropping the, the jock off and saying you're going to screw up your full boat ride. The the princess that's dad's like, oh, honey, it's OK. You know, here's a you, you can go shopping and it's just a one day and she's getting dropped off in the BMW. Judd Nelson, his his parents don't even know he's got detention. He's just walking himself to school. Yeah. Ali Sheedy gets dropped off in his weird Cruella DeVille <laughs> drag car. I don't know what the hell that thing and was. Her parents don't uh, say a word to her, right? Just yeah, open the door, yeah, she gets just, out, and they drive off. Yeah, like I thought it was a, a great way to kind of... Um, and then like the first couple minutes, like how you know you can tell Judd Nelson's old hand at this. He knows how it all works. Um, Molly Ringwald thinks that, hey, I could just say, I don't, but look at me. I don't belong here. And the principals being like, oh, of course, princess, of course, you should go home. Like all these like ways that they effortlessly establish the archetypes of these um, these kids. And yeah. I, I wonder if like if you're supposed to as a teenager identify with one right away and then like take their side. Like is like how Probably. how effective was this movie at putting like if you're a 16 year old and that goes back to my question of how much did this movie reflect teenage life and how much of it did it shape because it probably does yeah. both right i think so because i went to high school in from 90 to like you know from 91 to 95 and like it was fucking like all everyone try i felt like in retrospect tried to fit in these five archetypes yeah. to a t mm-hmm. like the dress the grooming all i mean obviously the fashion changes a little bit but like and is that because the kids kind of like self-sort themselves or is it I don't know. Like, I, I think of back, of course, I don't know. I didn't go to school in the 50s or anything like that, but right. I felt like maybe th- things were a little bit more homogenous back then. Um, and in terms of like, you definitely had, I, I think of Greece, you had two types of kids. You had regular dudes and then like the sports people and then the greasers, right? Yeah. And we continue to fracture into the different weirds. I don't know, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know how accurate. Um, how accurately it reflects uh, the time period because obviously I didn't even go to school in the 80s so yeah or at least high school in the 80s so I don't know I imagine it's a little bit of both like it hit on something very intrinsic to the teenage experience which is trying to f- figure out who you are and naturally right. as as kids you know try to figure that out or do figure that out they sort into these groups with others who are a lot like them and those things yeah. develop into clicks right um, yeah but I, I don't know if that's if always getting, happened or if it's happened recently. I wonder if it's getting better because I know that there's been, you know, uh, since the last 20 years, a lot uh, more attention's paid on um, actually paying attention to some of the worst behaviors. Because like when I went to high school, I felt like the system itself, like there's something about this carceral experience of high school where it's like it's very institutional. You got to go. There's like the like the, the snitch culture, like even earlier in the film where like Judd Nelson is being this unrepentant unwashed asshole and yeah. everyone hates him but when the teacher comes in the authority figure it's like they're not gonna what they're gonna do they're gonna rat on him no yeah. even though they might get punished there that's like that's like you know snitches get stitches like that's beat literally if you don't if you need to get the lesson someone will be happy to beat it into you and i felt like the um uh, the teachers kind of looked the other way like they surely knew kind of like the way this guy like he would come out if something was exploding but like, you know, otherwise they that's that wasn't their job, man. And I feel like nowadays teachers and administrators pay more attention to 
helping kids resolve conflicts and helping you know people understand differences and stuff. And I know it, it varies differently from school to school, place to place. Oh, I'm sure. But I wonder if uh, we're doing better. I guess I'll find out soon because my son will be starting high school this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have any insight into high school nowadays. Especially but. since the last year and a half he spent like home, like essentially homeschooled. Like yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how, how things uh, reflect. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to talk more about um, just how good I think some of these, these performances and characters are, um, especially the Judd Nelson one. There are moments where like you can see that Johnny is like on the edge of ruining his entire life. And he knows that like mm-hmm. fucking up so colossally and, and, and you get the impression that he's doing this all because he wants to somehow impress his old man. Right. It's the same reason that Sporto's doing his shit in some ways. It's like, well, are you, are, are you being a shitbag because you're angry that your father is a shitbag to you? Or are you doing it because you want to get some kind of respect from him? Um, and this is the way that you you understand getting respect from other people is asserting dominance over them, uh, mm. because that's what he's doing the entire movie. Whether it's you know confronting Sporto and and just like talking shit to him, trying trying to get between him and Claire uh, during mm-hmm. this movie, like he he clearly wants literally you know, to get with cases. Claire. Yeah, some, sometimes he's mm. literally between them. Um, he clearly wants to get with Claire and he sees that Sporto's got this better chance because he's, you know, who he is and Johnny's who he is. But like there, there's some jealousy there and some anger, but I, I get the impression that like as much as Sporto is trying to impress his dad, Johnny's also doing the same thing, but, but maybe unknowingly, um, hmm. he hasn't really thought about why he's acting out. Um, I don't know. You don't get a ton of insight into his home life, but there are moments where you see him like, him and and Andrew are about to get into a fight, right? And mm-hmm. he, you know, he he gets pushed, and then and Johnny backs off, and he's he's walking away, and he's like, "Yeah, because I'd kill you." And and mm-hmm. they're thinking, "Oh, whatever, dude. Yeah, brag a little bit, whatever. Make yourself look tough." And then he whips out a knife, and you're like, "Oh shit, no! This kid has hit his limit, where he knows that if he takes one more step, he's probably going to jail. He's probably like really fucking up." Uh, and destroying whatever future he might even hope that he has, right? It's kind of it, it's yeah, kind of I've, shocking and and sad in a way. Because that's the thing is like I I can't relate to just giving up because I was my, my mantra in my teenage yeah. years is I just gotta get out. I gotta get to be an adult. I gotta get the fuck out of this house. I gotta I get what the every fuck kid out of this town. In here, I gotta wants. get a fucking job so I can start living. Like I felt like my whole yeah. life was on hold. Like I wasn't live, doing anything. I, I was doing as much as I could along the margins of my life. It's like geez, one of these days I'm gonna get. It. But like I feel like a guy like Johnny. I don't know. Maybe his dad's done a stint in prison. So maybe that's going Probably. in his family. He's obviously copying a lot of po- patterns that he's been taught in life and like, you know, very defend defensive himself. But like, I, yeah. Yeah. Is he afraid to go to jail? Like, like that's I a think, good question. Like I what is, is his dream? It, Cause like, like what you, does he even have dreams or is it just kind of like, I think his dream is just to avoid the worst possible outcome. Because if you look at like the vice principal, when he locks him in the closet and he's like, all right, tough guy, come at me. Like just take one swing. That's all I need. Who, who's going to mm. believe you? Uh, he backs down in that moment. Right. And then he backs down. He looks very scared, like, but not scared in a way of like, I couldn't take this old man, but scared in a way of like, if I do what I think, what my tendency is, if I, if I continue to follow this road, there are real actual serious consequences. Right. Cause I don't Mm. think he's afraid of any of the kids in school. Cause what can they do to him that's worse than what his dad does? But like, I think he is afraid of like long term fucking up his like royally, like getting in trouble with actual legal authorities, things like that. That, That's just how I read it. Um, And Judd Nelson does such a good job, right? Because when he's dealing with the other kids, he's he has no limits. So he'll say whatever, he'll do whatever and he'll fuck with them, however. Uh, But once he comes up against the big, scary things, the, the turning points in his life, he does take a moment and he pauses and he says, okay, maybe this is too much. Maybe I need to back off the throttle a little bit. I thought, see, I, I thought it was just like, um, cause this kid's like what, 16 years old and he's got a full grown man that's physically threatening him. And like, 
he it's he's getting a lot of his dad energy and he's like he's like regressing to like a scared yeah. little boy is yeah. what I thought. But you're I, I'm, I don't I'm not saying your interpretation is wrong. It's just like, yeah, that's yeah. the energy I got that he was like really shaken. Um, you know, and I, that's it. So speaking of asshole gym teacher, well, his other move is he he challenged the young men to like physical contests <laughs> Jesus all the time. Christ. Like, like legend is legend was like. like let yeah, no like yeah like I'll just like let's let's fucking like you're in the locker room right now you're not gonna you could give me shit it's like you're let's throw down right now and the kid you know I never saw a kid take him up on it legend had a few di- did and he but I'm like that I I don't think man sometimes I think back at like stuff that went on in my high school and it's so fucked up that would get you so fired like yeah 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 Yeah. and also like it never struck me as how odd that this like 45 year old buzz cut fucker is just openly challenging 15 and 16 year old boys yeah like the idea sounds like a midlife crisis to me idea of me (laughs) hauling off and beating a 15 or 16 year old is such a fucking wild idea and this guy i don't know maybe he just knew that it was all bluster and bluff and he could he could get this guy into a headlock and and physically restrain him if he had to. But I I, I don't know. Um, that was a power. That was a that was a powerhouse scene too. Which that's yeah. the other thing I kept on forgetting that I was watching. Like there's a couple scenes where I got I got so caught up in like the drama and like how good these kids were that I forgot I was watching like this performance. Yeah. Um. And also like that's the other interesting thing. Like if this. I I I started comparing this to other movies I had seen because I had seen a couple of teenage movies later on in life. Like I really enjoy like Mean Girls. I I remember liking that a lot. And what really strikes me as the difference between like Mean Girls and this is that uh, that written by Tina Fey really humanized the teachers. Like they established that Tina Fey is like recently divorced. Uh, she has to work a second job at the mall to like make ends meet when the kids make fun of her for it. And like, it's kind of un- unpleasant deal to be a high school teacher where like this guy is bragging about how much money he makes, which I, I did the math. And he's like saying essentially I make $80,000 a year. I'm this or that. Okay, sure. I'm but like he's just a big bully and he's a villain. Yeah. And also and that's something that like I think that the janitor of all people who mm-hmm. is most bullied by the kids is like, well, if you were a teenager, how would you how do you think you look? Yeah. How do you and look, dick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like and, and this this this, uh, you know, this guy like being afraid of like, oh, what if these kids run the country and, or what if I want to rely on them to take care of me? And it's like, well, you're kind of like you, that's that's the fear of every abusive parent everywhere. Right. <laughs> and, and if you don't like, take care of them, what makes you think they're going to take care of you? Like. And, and this 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 is a joke because like yeah. what do you do when what you're doing with kids is clearly not working? Mm. Like do you double down and keep doing the same thing? Double like there's that ridiculous scene where like he's infinite grounding Judd Nelson. Like he's going to have the next eight yeah. weeks of detention. And what's the odds that a guy like Judd Nelson is going to go keep like fly right and keep clean for eight weeks? Right. Um, and the other thing is like this guy's stuck here on a Saturday with him. Right. He's miserable. He's oh, drinking yeah. coffee that looks like motor oil. <sighs> oh, it's sludge, man. Ugh. Yeah, it's like I. But but there again, that's when I think back of my principals, assistant principals, gym teachers, and stuff. They were a lot more like this than than uh, I think I, I you know most kids deal with nowadays. Which is probably why you know we started humanizing the, the teachers in our popular media. But that was really yeah, jarring. I, I think, like I expected that there would be a scene like maybe where the janitor and him get together and they would like humanize them both. But nope, the janitor just like, nah, yeah. you're a piece of shit. And no wonder <laughs> these kids hate you. And then they just and, drop the vice principal for the rest of the movie until he picks up the letter that they write or the essay they write. Yeah, I, there's I, I no... wanted something else from the, from the vice principal because he, he delivers this ultimatum, right? Like the next thing that happens, you're all whatever. He's going to start cracking heads, whatever that means. Uh, yeah. In, in terms of vice principals. Yeah. I, I wanted something else. It's maybe the only real complaint I have with this movie is that it didn't feel satisfying from the vice principals uh, involvement in the, the plot here. Yeah. He goes and pervs on the administrative files um, and violates a bunch of privacy. The janitor busts him and hustles him for $50, calls him a piece of shit. And mm-hmm. then the next time we see him, he breezes in on an empty room where Anthony Michael Hall has wrote the, wrote the sick ass 
fuck you old man essay and he's just left to read it in silence as you know judd nelson's pumping his fist and yeah. and after making time with molly ringwald on the football field uh it, it never yeah. tells us if he got the point of the janitor's conversation with him it never tells us if the kids got one final one up on him or if they're like, all back they, in the attention next week because he's like yeah fuck you try again you don't get yeah. the win i get the win you know kind of yeah well that's the thing i i think this movie is very much an open-ended sort of thing. It's it's a big question mark at the end, right? Like, you have all these great highs for these kids, but I think the thing that's ringing in my head at the end of this film is Anthony Michael Hall's lines about, will we talk to each other? Are we still friends on Monday? Like, that is never resolved, right? They talk to each other about it, and they all say, nah, we're probably not because X, Y, and Z it's it's that that peer pressure right this movie is all about the pressures on teenagers it's peer pressure it's right. pressure from authorities it's pressure from your parents pressure all to be pressure. a certain person when you don't even know who you are to like, excel in a certain way and you know yeah all those pressures and then we don't really know at the end of this will they speak to each other uh come monday you know they're they're kissing in the parking lot but that might mm. all be gone is that just to get is days. that just to piss off daddy who's picking you up in a bmw Sure. Uh, you know, like what, like, cause that's, yeah. Yeah. What happens on Monday when the pressure really gets applied? I yeah, think it's implied it that they resumes. will, but you know, they're just five people in a high school of 500. And right. you know, is he really going to stand up to the whole locker team? Like, Oh, you've, you kissed a weirdo with mm-hmm. it's like, you know, shakes dandruff out of her hair. You, you and, and the Molly, when she gets with her, the, the, the queen bees, they're going to be like, Oh my God, you kissed Jay. He did. You know, he did this with the other girl and, ah, and yeah. it's yeah, I don't know. That's kind of um, it does, I guess, on multi. I, I, I didn't think about that, but like, yeah, it is kind of uh, melancholy, a little bit of a melancholy. I mean, it, I, mean it does I just give remember you the, the peer pressure in school is immense and it doesn't just yes. go away because you want it to. It's still there yeah. and you can give into it. Um, and you can preserve the clicks that you have and the friends you have on Monday because all these people have friends except for Ali Sheedy, uh, except for Allison. It, but Monday, they're going to be right back in their lives, right? This is a mm-hmm. this is a remove from their regular lives that allowed them the space mm-hmm. to actually get to know each other and and become friends. I think there's a very good chance that on Monday that all goes away when the peer pressure comes back in. Yeah, I had like an experience with that where like um, when I started working at 16, um, I was put on a shift with a guy from my high school that we kind of hated each other. And on the job, like, you know, we'd start talking and everything was cool. But like and I thought like, oh, hey, maybe me and Chad will start getting along. Nope, not back in the school halls of high school. No, stay the fuck away from him. Uh, so, yeah, again, yeah. it's like these five people have breakthrough, but it's one of those things where. It's like the uh, that famous like Christmas armistice in 1914, where the German and French and English soldiers declared truce to celebrate Christmas in the trenches. And then it never happened again. Uh, You know, like it's like that could have been the beginning of like a breakout of peace, but it's not going to be so. uh, Yeah, I somehow avoided like most of that in my high school or my, my school experience in general. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I hung out, like I said, with mostly like the weirdos and the nerds, but also I was cool with everybody. So, yeah. it, like, I remember there being peer pressure, but somehow it felt like those pressures didn't apply to me. And I don't know if it's because I was the weirdo and nobody really mm-hmm. gave a shit um, mm-hmm. about what they thought, but I never really gave a shit about what other people thought. Because, you know, I, I was cool with the sports kids and I was cool with the popular kids and I was cool with the weirdos and nerds. So. You can uh, you can get me- past that peer pressure, but man, it's intense. It can be intense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, there are there's another kind of a melancholy meditation um, where they wonder about are we going to be like our parents? And there's this like not me, and also it's unavoidable yeah, because we're all proct. We we've been shaped by these patterns. We've been shaped by these personalities. We're going to ape these things, whether we like it or not. And I th- I. <sighs> As a 40, as a in someone in my mid 40s, I feel like that I don't know, it's probably inescapable unless you work at it. 
because I think that I've got a lot of my parents strong qualities that I've tried to cultivate. And I've also been there's a couple of times where I've like, oh, Jesus, that was my dad and not the good part of him. Yeah. Or like, oh, my God, that was my mom, you know, hectoring and being critical. And, you know, again, like if you, you know, you, you try different approaches, especially as a parent and in relationships. And you get in those cycles where it's like. Uh, trying the same thing again and again, you d- double down, but like, that's another thing. Um, cause I remember, uh, yeah, I, when growing up, it's like, I'm my parents are crazy. As soon as I get and get in my own house, I'm going to do everything opposite of them and yeah. all that kind of, you know, but it's hard because that's what your pattern was. You have to really work at it. Yeah. Um, every I that day was, I see more of like my mom and dad coming out in me. Like I, I, I notice, like like you said, I'll be doing something. I'll go, oh shit, yeah, that's exactly what my dad would do in this scenario or whatever. And it, mm-hmm. it plays into the conversation between the janitor and Dick, the vice principal, who mm-hmm. you know is he, the janitor tells him like, did the kids change or did you change? Because somewhere along the line, like he changed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that makes me me look at it and go like, okay, well. What does that mean? If I changed from whatever I was in high school and became what my parents were when I was in high school, what caused that change? And who was I back in high school, right? Why can't you just be the person you were then that, that would have identified with these kids, understood these kids, right? Instead of giving them shit all the time. It's like, what, what know, is, some point if you-, you are the patterns that your parents instill in you. And yet that doesn't manifest until later in life. Really? Yeah. What? Hmm. I don't, I don't know what. Yeah. I, know that's, what I think that's one of the hard things about being a late teen or a teenager, early adult is like, at some point you go from limitless potential to like, Oh, you are what you are. And yeah, yeah. like you sometimes don't like your awareness doesn't catch up to where you're actually at. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, but then you can I, be Matthew McConaughey in Fast Times and you can just be perpetual teenager, yeah, it's right? It's another movie I've not seen. Like, <laughs> okay. that's the all right, all right. Is that's the, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, no matter how old I get, they still say it's the same age. Yeah. Yep. Uh, rested development. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. One thing that uh, I thought was not true to my school experience was everyone's reaction to Judd Nelson's weed stash because I was aware, like I was a straight edge kid. Mm-hmm. Now I wouldn't call myself that, but that's just like, I did yeah. the idea that I would do drugs was just like way Me far too. beyond my personal performance envelope. Yeah. Um, but like I knew all of the kids were doing it and it didn't matter whether you were a preppy. It didn't matter if you were in the, on the wrestling team or football team or basketball team every one of these people like it maybe there are some that did it every weekend but almost everyone that i knew went and partied at a party house at least once in their high school career and had definitely smoked dope had definitely drank to excess all that kind of stuff like every one of these kids like universally reviling the fact that just oh this is drugs this is marijuana like i thought that was like okay maybe <laughs> maybe that was no and there's no way even in the 70s that was the case in in uh, gross point blank. Sure. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, but if you could somehow gather a group full of the kids who hadn't done weed, this scene is so cute because, like, the way that it really Anthony is. Michael Hall is like, I, I, I want to try that. I want to try. That. I, uh-huh, there's weed uh-huh. going on in that room. I got to get in there because yeah. this might be his only opportunity, right? His friends don't smoke weed, sure, regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like. Right. He's probably never known anybody who actually had weed. He probably hasn't ever, ever seen it in this movie. Right. So th- right. this is an opportunity for him, right? To experience something mm-hmm. he hasn't experienced, get outside of him himself and his expectations and go do something crazy. I love that. I also feel like every one of these kids, except for Emilio Estevez had done weed before and knew exactly done weed. Jesus Christ. <laughs> done, sounds such, done weed. I sound like that straight edge kid. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. like, cause like I thought Melly Ringwald was really good playing stone. I thought Anthony Michael Hall was really good playing stone. Judd Nelson, of course, Ali Sheedy, of course, Mila Estevez, 
hot box the whole foreign language lounge and comes out of there like a madman this is the magic realism yeah i have never seen someone's first reaction to herb like turned them into the incredible hulk of like (laughs) fight dancing and using the the library as a gymnasium and pommel horsing over uh cases it was it was in it's like everything was like yep that's exactly that and then you see emilio esvez come out of the room i'm like oh this is gonna be interesting and he just comes out in full wolfman mode yeah like yeah i don't think he's done it i don't think he's done it (laughs) or john martin Told I think to Martin Sheen put the fear of God into him. Oh, like, yeah. look, I, I blazed up with Brando and it changed my life. Not for the good, man. You got to oh. stay away from this. This devil's lettuce, boy. Boy, you better stay away from this devil's lettuce. I but do appreciate did. that he did all of his own stunts in this movie. Like, that was really him <laughs> doing the cartwheel. Really him jumping Had over books, bookcases. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the other thing that blew my mind. Oh, go ahead. I want you to finish your thought. No, no, no. I, I just kept expecting to see the cut to the stunt man and it never was, or, or the quick cut yeah. that like hid that this isn't actually him, but they always showed his face. He always do it. He was like, like also like, he's like looked like a kid that wrestled, like he's yeah, like yeah. compact and stocky and like, but muscular and obviously agile and all that. He, the, his takedown of Judd Nelson wasn't very convincing from a technique, but like from a physicality, even though Judd had like a half a head over him, yeah. uh, looked real. Um, I was impressed by because I the other prejudice I had about this movie is this was a big budget Hollywood, you know, star studded production. This movie costs less than a million dollars. It takes place entirely in not entirely entirely in one facility, mostly in one Mm -hmm. room. Like it's kind of amazing, like a million. They made this thing for under a million dollars. I that blew me away. I didn't think it was going to be like a 50 million dollar extravaganza, but like 10, 15 million dollars. Sure. Sure. Like, how do you get a movie? How do you get a movie made? I guess you make it with kids and you do it in some shitty town in uh, Illinois. Pardon to anyone. Apparently that, that lives they, in that. they had to build this uh, library because there wasn't a library in the school this big. And most really <laughs> most libraries and schools are not even close to this. Uh, oh, no. Big this or is like fancy. a metropolitan. Yeah, this is like a major yeah. metropolitan li- like library. It's like the fucking Library of Congress in here. They had to build this in the gymnasium of the <laughs> Multiple school. Multiple stories. They has uh-huh. had a, like a dinosaur bone exhibit. <laughs> right. Like ridiculous. Which Judd yeah. climbs at some point. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, what are the other things? Uh, I don't know that I have a lot more to talk seriously, but I did want to talk about the kid stunts in this movie because there are some wild ones. Judd okay. Nelson hawking a loogie into his own mouth. Gross. Yeah, I have two yuck moments, and that's one of them. Ali Sheedy drawing a flawless cross hatched covered bridge scene. That's and then the making it snow with the dandruff in her hair. Gross. <laughs> yep. Uh, I also I and I somehow I got through my life without hearing this little ditty. Uh, oh, hey, hey, can can you hear this? Can you hear this? Oh, well, let me turn it up for you. you so had, good. You had never heard I had that. Ne- I consider myself a connoisseur of like crazy <sighs> bl- uh, obscene wow. bl- blue expressions. I have literally never ever seen or heard anyone do that before, and it and it slayed me. Yeah. I really enjoy. Really enjoy and I pick up a new new piece of uh, profanity. Um, Molly Ringwald putting on lipstick with her boobs. Not possible. I don't buy it. She does not have the cleavage for this and they hide it. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh huh. Yeah. I noticed that, too. I thought mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's also she's like, well, was she literally 16, 17. When she's making this movie. So like uh, they're trying to. But they surely up. I mean, that upskirt was probably her. They didn't probably. Right. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have the cast to like call in a stunt crotch. Uh, so it's like, well, maybe it's preserving her modesty. But like Hollywood don't give a fuck. We're talking about yeah. Thora Birch. They're flashing her uh, breast, you know, and the American beauty uh, like they. Yeah, they. So uh, that was a, the weird one. Um, Ali Sheedy's lunch. Again, I guess she's just been weirdo for weirdo. The Captain Crunch sugar special. Oh, the sandwich. Yeah. Fuck. Um, and the the other thing is like, I thought it was going to pay off Ali Sheedy because throughout the whole movie, she's stealing stuff from Judd. Mm-hmm. She's stealing his knife. She's stealing his padlock. And like, there's the camera always kind of cuts to her mugging while she's doing it. I thought that would pay off. I don't think it did. No, when she empties her purse and shows that he, she stole his wallet, there's like a minor payoff, but the oh, stuff I she guess, steals yeah, from she him as well to kind of like, break the ice a little bit. Yeah. 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 But, but, but only barely. I, I thought it would. 
Yeah, I thought it would. It just establishes the fact that she's swiping things. Yeah, uh, but I thought there was going to be. I don't know because I'm like, well, she's an attention like, is this seeker. The kind of, is this the kind of movie that's going to have her like try to commit suicide in the bathroom? Like how like how fucking after school special is this thing going to get? And you know when Judd gave his big like right. har- harrowing uh speech about his uh his domestic life i'm like nah they might go there yeah but it 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 never it never did they do go pretty dark um especially you know they they they, the movie is expertly paced and it knows the moments where it needs to back off the tension um that speech Mm -hmm. that anthony michael hall gives about the pressure of getting these grades and how he's got this gun in his locker and he was considering killing himself and then the reveal that it's a flare gun and everybody laughs at him because, I mean, what the fuck do you do after that conversation, right? But the movie right. needs that moment. The movie needs to lighten the mood because it got real fucking heavy there for a minute. Uh, and they do that with, with basically all of the characters, right? The only character who I, I don't really feel like gets that moment is Claire. Like, she, she never... I don't know. The, the pressures of being popular are not something that I have a lot of strong identity uh, or identify with strongly. So it doesn't strike me as like the big emotional payload that is pressure from your parents to always Hmm. succeed, um, whether it be grades or sports or just your parents abusing you like, or or completely ignoring you. Those things resonated with me far more than the popular girl has to be popular. Maybe that was your wrestling, like, because I had the same thing with Amelia. Where hers, like, I, you know, it's like I, I again, uh, again, like you, you take this and compare it to like the kids in the wire. This is all tiniest violin sure. playing. Yeah. I sob for thee, right? But like, you know, for middle class, uh, high school, you know, suburb, this is this is pretty traumatic shit. And I'm like, I can see. Just in the same way, because this is a theme of like, you know, Anthony Michael Hall didn't ask to be born smart. And because he was and he's gifted in that way, his parents put in crazy pressure. Amelia, he had an explicit speech where he's like, I'm like, essentially, I'm a champion, not because I wanted to be, but because I've, I'm, I'm bigger and faster and, and stronger than everybody. Physical gifts, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was born with this stuff. So now that because of that, I have to excel. And that's my and like, I think that you're supposed to understand that her. She's like, I didn't ask to be I didn't ask to look like Molly Ringwald and to be born to an upper middle class. Like, I. Sure. I I can see that because like I there was a couple kids that like uh, I know they get the son of the guy who owned the this is so ridiculous because it's all Mooresville shit. But like the 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 rich kid of my class was the guy whose dad owned the Levi store in town. You know, the 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 Levi store and more that's like a big fucking it's it's it, half the it, town. It feels I, like I know it. But like, really, that's hmm. Because I knew a yeah, kid and that's who the thing. Like, was like, I mean, that, that's like, I understand too. now that he probably had like a solid middle class back, but he was not. What? There's no way that guy's wealthy off of a single blue jean store. <laughs> right, it was a big blue jean store. This big blue jean store. Enormous. I think it was like lar- largest in the Midwest or whatever, and it was fa- kind of famous and is right there by Gray's, the other powerhouse of Mooresville. But yeah, um, like I remember being a little sorry for him because he was popular because you know he had a lot of money and like if you got in good with his parents they might take you on vacation with them and they always mm-hmm. had good parties and stuff but like people talk mad shit behind his and yeah. anytime he like showed a moment of weakness or wanted to whine or complain people are like oh poor little Boo rich kid you know yeah. like nobody wants to hear your fucking problems but you know right. well off people have problems too and yeah and that might so, be a little bit of my bias like being born into wealth extreme wealth uh Plus, just being like, a woman, be, being being a woman in high school has just got to be a fucking yeah. nightmare. Just baseline, you know, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, and uh, let's talk about that, because this, you know, has a, a couple of of young women in it. And the storyline that they get, the one of them gets is that they are a weirdo because they don't look the right way now. Mm hmm. Halfway through this movie, they or actually near the end of this movie, they rectify that problem. Right. And I'm, I'm uh-huh. putting that in quotes, rectify the problem. Right. Uh, by giving Ali Sheedy a makeover. Ali? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And, and Ali Sheedy, while she's doing it, is saying, why are you being so nice to me? And it's like, because you're letting me. And like, th- 
other movies. So so this movie does this in the context of a whole lot of other things that it's doing. And I've seen other movies that do exclusively this like she's all that Um there, you know, Mean Girls in, in a way is like doing exclusively mm-hmm. this experience. And so they can devote more time to it. And I don't know if it's a problem here of not being able to devote enough time to this particular plot line or if this is just an inherently like kind of sexist weird thing that's in this movie now because they're essentially saying that the only thing that's going to make her happy is looking good and yeah and if she just puts a little effort in she'll be fine yeah she'll be fine and now i know from experience there is a a sense of of confidence and strength that comes with making yourself look good um like just something as simple as getting a new haircut can make you feel like a million bucks when you're walking out of the the salon right and so, as far as as far as advantages and privileges going, being extremely attractive is probably the best one you can have. It trumps almost everything else except for money. Yeah. And it's almost universally worldwide. If you're attractive, everything else is going to be a little bit easier. The wheels are going to be a little bit greased. The doors are going to open easier. So sure. For sure. I, I just I guess I wish that that was not the go to move here. Um, yeah. The thing that could like, define her as a new person is getting a new look. Yeah, what about uh, Molly Ringwald appreciating the fact that she has no shit artistic talent? Right. Or, yeah. you know, she's into cool music, you know, or like there's, you know, it's like it doesn't have to be like, hey, I spent five minutes in your makeup and put a put a push your push your bangs back from your head so people can see your face, honey. Uh, and, <laughs> right. and that's all you need. And then, so. you know, all the boys fawn over and she gets the 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 popular jock and all that stuff. It's yeah, it's a little weird. Um, and this movie is not perfect. In, Except in for its... the nerd. The nerd is sexless. He's he doesn't, right. you know, everyone else match gets matchy matchy. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. The nerd goes home alone as mm-hmm. as is. Uh, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. In school. That's so certainly. it goes. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about the breakfast club? Oh, why? That's the other thing is like, I thought that there was going to be some cool reveal about the breakfast club and like why they named themselves that, but it's literally just signed the breakfast club. Oh, it's Did because they, establish- they, they were all talking about like the clubs that they're part of or not part of and won't be accepted into right now. They're forming their own new club, which is outside of the norms of, but did of they name school. it before? No. It's, why is it called the Breakfast Club? They didn't. They they kind of sort of ate lunch together. I don't know. I thought it was like I was expecting some kind of tie in. With honestly, I thought there's going to be some kind of like they bonded over breakfast at Tiffany's or something, or like that. Like that was the one movie they'd all seen or something. And it just it felt slightly random. I'll give you breakfast doesn't make a ton of sense in this context, other than maybe they showed up really early on Saturday for their detention. Yeah. Sounds like that's the school start. You know, seven o'clock. That's yeah. for some reason still. Do you think it's a good idea to make teenagers get up at seven o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Five o'clock if you want to like spend time on your personal appearance and you know, yeah. yeah Glad that phase of my kids. life is over. Uh I will say the music in this movie is iconic, mm-hmm. or at least the one song oh, yeah. is, is iconic. That's simple minds, don't you forget about me. Um mm-hmm. I found out that this song was sort of shopped around to a bunch of different bands. It was written by a, a songwriter looking for bands to sing it they approached um a couple of other people like uh billy idol was approached to do this song and he turned it down see that uh yeah i could totally see that um and then they, they took this to like was it cindy lopper i i don't know it was some famous uh female singer at the time and she was like well i don't i don't want to do it but my husband has this band simple minds go ahead and give it to them and they recorded this song and then I mean this song it, it it became a classic I think because it was in this movie but it sort of like defined a genre of of films in a weird way like a whole a whole yeah. generation of kids saw this movie and was like Simple Minds is a thing but Simple Minds I I'm trying to think of other songs that they've done I may have heard one or two but there's none this popular Certainly, Mm-mm. this thing became just a, a classic, and it's still a banger. Yeah, I agree. Anything else? Are we ready to uh, uh, take the Breakfast Club out for dinner, so to speak? Uh, one more thing. I got a question for you. Okay, hit me. Who's who's worse? You've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah? I have. Okay, I shouldn't have to ask that, but you hadn't seen Breakfast Club yet, so 
Uh, and I'm not sure why I I I saw it like because uh, oh yeah my I saw that at my neighbor's house who was also a Jehovah's Witness and so my mom just never thought to but like they yeah I guess they were big John Hughes fans over there and uh, nice. one of uh, my friend Matt's favorite movies at the time they were watching all the time was Ferris Bueller so I saw that I was like 12 when I saw it so I still was like too young huh. to kind of appreciate more than just the obvious fun of like playing right. hooky from school but yeah, yeah I driving around in a cool car and mm-hmm. sure. Uh, okay, your so best friend and a hot girl. Yeah, who's worse, this vice principal or is it Rooney? Is it Rooney? It's Rooney in the other in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the principal there. That guy's an actual pedophile in real life. It turns out, <laughs> oh, so no. I'm gonna go with him. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh God! I think it, let's see. Hold on a second. I hope it's true. This Otherwise, is worth looking up. Principal Ferris. <laughs> We'll have to cut it out. Yeah, we will. You can't Ferris just Bueller throw right Jeffrey like- Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Uh, okay. Wikipedia will certainly have this. Criminal oh. offenses. Here we oh, go. No. Ah, uh, 2002. Jones is arrested for, for for possession of child pornography. Oh no. And accused by a 17 year old boy of solicitation to pose for nude photographs. He pleaded right. no contest. Asked yeah. and answered. <laughs> Holy shit! I didn't know that. Uh, oh, the accuser was also 14 when the first the offense occurred. Oh, so. my God. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, we know that. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's worse. This guy. Uh, but I mean, as, as far as like they're in universe characters, um, you know, principal, like I could see hunting down Ferris Bueller as your white whale. Right. Like uh-huh. he's he's white whale. To go worthy. to the lengths can... to break and enter into their home. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty crazy. It, I, I mean, the links he goes to to catch Ferris. Did he, challenge, did he challenge Ferris to a fist fight? No, he never does. Although he definitely fist fights his sister. Well, foot fights his sister. Oh, she fit, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like uh, she cracks him with his his face uh, style. Yeah, fights but, his ah, dog. Yeah, 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 yep. Yep. Loses both uh, of those fights, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like he's lost a battle with uh, his his own life. To well, no, he's. I, I, that implies he's dead. I don't. I, I don't know if that's true. But. And one last question: Do you have any idea what, what a, a neo maxi zoom dweeby is? Because I don't. A neo maxi dweeby. I mean, it's like I don't know. It's like some kind of word salad way to say this guy is like a mega nerd. He's like a neon evangel yeah. nerd. Some kind of evolved battle suit mecha wearing nerd. Uh yeah. Yeah. All right. Just rolls right off your rolls right off your tongue. No, that'll, that'll that, that feels like bre- the most artificial thing in this entire movie is that line. Yeah. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Everything else is pretty authentic. I wonder if that's like a an authentic John Hughes 70s high school experience. Like he that really stung him. Someone hit him with that and it really <laughs> he didn't yeah, know what it meant either, but it sucked. Or maybe he was trying to consciously coin you know, like in a Bart Simpson, eat yeah. my shorts kind of way. Like he's like, yeah, I got to I want to I want a catchphrase coming out of this this thing. Um, Wrong character for that. Hughes original. Wrong yeah. character. Uh, that'll do it for the Breakfast Club. Next week, we're going to be back for the psychosexual thriller. Basic instinct. Uh, Beaver instinct. Whatever. Yeah, I've Staring seen Shut for sure at least one scene from that movie. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I have never seen this movie before, but I, uh-huh. I do know the the crossing, uncrossing leg scene yeah. that everybody lost her fucking mind over. I can't I can't imagine. I can't imagine a half second coot shot is going to make is going to do things for this movie one way or another. But I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But we'll be back on Prestige for Basic Instinct next week. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.